Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger of Jay Rieger & Co., joined my, by my esteemed colleague, Matt Basinger of SwellSpark. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful partners, M-Prize Bank, member FDIC, and we are, as always, in the studios of Let It Fly Media. Today, we got a great guest today from Nickel and Suede, the founder, Kylie Nichols. Kylie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Happy New Year. Thanks. You too. It's it's We're past 2020. <laughs> It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. You had a big 2020, though. There's a lot going on. And so we, before we get into all that, though, company background, I didn't wear any earrings today. My wife really wanted me to, but we thought we'd let you talk about earrings and what you do. What What do you do? How did you get here? Give us like the, the brief intro. Yeah. So we are an accessories company that makes lightweight statement earrings. Um, we're dedicated really to empowering women to be um, bold, to step out of their comfort zones, and to really go after more confidence. And so that can be done with a big pair of earrings, a big hat, and affirmation apparel, all those things. So um, we started um, six years ago and started here in Kansas City and really um, had a blog that kind of kick-started it and then word of mouth spread. And so now we're nationwide, ship all over the world, and that's our story. Kylie, the story behind Nickel and Suede as to how you started, where you started manufacturing, the story of like deciding what you wanted to do is really inspirational. Can you share that story? Yeah. So we actually started in our basement. I needed a pair of earrings as a fashion blogger. So I found a pair of piece of leather in the house, cut it out, turned it into a pair of earrings. And not only did they look like metal the way I wanted them to, but they were just super lightweight. So I took it to my husband. I said, this could be something cool. He instantly saw the potential in it as well. And we just started manufacturing our basement. We thought we'd be there forever. We make these tiny little earrings out of scrap leather. Um, but as soon as other women started wearing them, it was like, I never ever want to wear anything else. And so people started collecting them. Um, we have customers now that have over 200 pairs. Like it's become a cult following because it's like um, they're so lightweight, they're so comfortable. But then they also, um, my initial shoppers really were readers of my blog who really identified with my story of like starting from nothing, from being a stay-at-home mom, from like stepping out of my comfort zone into being basically a CEO and and running a company. And so the earrings started to take on this meaning of like wow, this means I can do something bold. This means I can do something cool. This means I can be more confident. And so um, that mentality paired with the product really just took it off. All right, so you got you to gotta back up a little bit, though. So pre-Nickel and Suede, <laughs> you were doing a fashion blog. Yep. How did that start? Like, were you always a maker? Were you making stuff on the side previously? Or was this really like the, the defining moment? So, I, I mean, I think everything, has, every story has a, a buildup, right? So, yes, okay. before... Nickel and Suede, I was a fashion blogger, and before that, we had a Etsy shop, and it was right when Etsy was starting, and it awesome. was making little leather belts, and that was our side hustle. Um, right after college, my husband started a super busy accounting job, and I was home pregnant. I had just finished school, and I had nothing else going on in my life, and I was super, like, depressed and just, what am I going to do? Of course, I want to be a mom, but I have like nothing else happening in my life, and I just felt really dead. And as soon as I started that Etsy shop, it felt like something was alive in me again and something was growing and exciting. And so I had this like personal experience of every woman has this, every woman has something inside them that's their talent, their passion, their purpose, something that they need to go after, even as a mom, even as all these other caretaker jobs and roles that moms have. And so um, 
having that for me, I just have continued to sh- like have that in my story and share that as a blogger and then sharing that now as an entrepreneur of, hey, everybody can go after the thing they're meant to do. And these earrings are one like just physical object that can say you can do yeah. what you were meant to do. So does the blogging, has that sort of subsided or is that now focused purely on nickel and suede or is it sort of all over the place and nickel and suede is just a part of the actual blogging now? Um, it has been a journey. So I kept blogging for a long time. I really loved carrying content to my readers and also sharing my personal style. Um, fashion's important to me and fun. Um, I've had to kind of pause blogging to really focus on nickel and suede because that's the future and the way forward, the way I have the most influence. But we are working with the podcast that I have and um, turning those into more blog posts so that it can kind of um, just meld together, really. So you go from making these teardrop earrings and you think it's probably a pretty good idea. And then, I mean, anyone who's in Kansas City knows that you you are past making teardrop earrings in your basement at this point. What was that ramp up like going from where you were to what you're doing now, bringing on employees, bringing on staff, working out of your basement, probably getting out of the basement at some point? Yeah. Um, walk us through that either short or long six years that has been since you first got going. Yeah, it's been fast and super long. Um, so we left our basement after about two and a half years. Um, we, what did the basement operation look like? It by the was way? like 500 square feet. We lived mm-hmm. in a split level. So when you went down, you went left and there was this little like 500 square feet of just uh, shipping and making. And we rearranged that space probably 50 times just to try to find more room. And then our three-car garage ended up being like our storage facility for bubble mailers and all kinds of things. So we stayed there for a long time. We even found a way to send um, components and earring things home with employees so they could make from home, bring back these kits, and we could just ship from our house. So really our little basement was a fulfillment center. Um, And then we moved into a lot of... I think 1,100 square foot building. Anyways, something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then opened our first retail store. Uh, we opened a retail store with the idea of stopping people from coming to my house at 8 o'clock at night to pick up their packages. So we thought like, oh, it'll just be like a little pickup window type thing. And um, it turned into this great experience. People loved it, the feel, um, the experience of being in this retail store. It became a destination for people. So mm-hmm. Um, we are now in a 5,000 square foot warehouse and, um, with room to grow into it, but, uh, we make, um, and fulfill everything from there. Uh, it's been a journey to be bringing on employees and try to figure yeah. out how do you staff starting from just you and your husband doing everything till now. Um, has so, your husband quit his accounting job? He did. He actually quit the day we launched our first website. Wow. So, um, that was Faith. his like all in. I know. Um, I didn't feel like my all-in was until about a year and a half ago when I started coming, working full-time out of the home. So, sure. so he, I started so going. He, did he quit his job before you even had Basically, the Basically, right? Wow. Like I, I felt like I could work from home and still take care of kids. I mean, I had two babies during all of this too. And so it was super fortunate. I was able to stay home, take care of kids, have my team working at work, and mm-hmm. just keep it going. But it it's been definitely phases. Yeah. You said something that I, that I think is really important, and Andy and I are both big fans of this idea of experience, right? Like his distillery is not just something where you – I mean, it's it's bigger than just yeah. the making of, right? It's the, and, and we obviously focus on experience as well, but what is the experience of Nickel and Suede that, that sets you apart as well from a lot of other folks who are making, you know, accessories uh, around the country? Yeah. 
to be honest, I'll say we're still, I think, figuring that out. Mm -hmm. A little bit of it just had some magic at the beginning and of like, I think people knowing that we came from our basement being this mom and pop and then also like this mindset that was being attached to our products. Um, we're still really trying to push that mindset even more and figure out how to bring it into the experience. Um, in our retail stores, we currently host other female entrepreneurs, uh, businesses every Saturday. So they have little pop-ups and so we're trying to support other women in their pursuits of these things. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, we have signage in our stores that say things like choose to shine and confidence is beautiful. And so I think really just this elevated experience of feeling like I can wear all of this and I'm I'm going to feel a little taller every time I do. So. Yeah. Uh, in your guys' growth, have you had to bring on new partners or is it just you and your husband as 100% owners? Have you guys had to get bank debt along the way? What's sort of been your capital story for growing? Yeah, great question. Uh, it's still just my husband and I. And we have self-funded all along the way, so we don't have any debt. Um, it's been really hard, and we're still, you know, it's it's as you go along like that, you're just okay. We got to do great this year, and we're going to continue to use that to build. But we've just kind of put everything back into the business to continue to grow it. And so this was the first year as well that you, over the last twelve months, I mean, you went from one store to three stores, but yeah. you're also. Um, out of Kansas City as yeah. well, which I know personally is a pretty big leap to go out of market. Um, tell us about really what has happened to your company over the last, call it, is it 18 months or so since you had the warehouse in Liberty, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, what, like, focus for me, if you don't mind, on the last 18 months and what that experience has looked like. Yeah, so um, we opened a store in Dallas this last June. Uh, we put our sights on Dallas a year before that, so it okay. took a while. Um, but we felt like the retail experience that we'd created in Kansas City was a big reason that things sparked in Kansas City for us, and we were able to take off. And so um, we wanted to put another location in another city and try to just light that fire again. Mm -hmm. It's been I forgot how hard it was at the beginning and that like what success looked like at the beginning was just like steady little increments of better and better. Um, so we are loving Dallas, but it's just, it's been a, a learning process to step out of our own state for sure. Mm -hmm. And then um, had the fortunate um, opportunity to open another store here in Kansas City on the plaza. And that's been a dream come true. Also an interesting learning experience, having two stores in the same city. Yeah. So I feel like we have, we're set up really well to learn from these three locations. And then um, we still manufacture everything ourselves. And so mm. learning that along the way too. Yeah. So these locations though, they are purely retail, Yes. correct? Yep. And so then when you open a location in a different state, how do you go about that? I mean, it's a totally different set of regulations, a totally different set of rules with everything that you could possibly think of. Did you go find someone that ran or was a GM of a retail company in Dallas and they could help guide the process? Sort of walk us through deciding to take a leap of faith and go into a completely different market. Yeah, so when we chose Dallas, it was really based on sales um, outside of Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So it made sense. Um, and so it's pretty simple. We just like, okay, Dallas has the right feel. It's got a lot of customers for us already. Um, our real estate agent here found us one down there and we went down and in one day we saw 20 locations and Ooh. I picked one. And I was like, okay, this is going to be our retail store. Um, I always feel like you have to be like naively optimistic as an entrepreneur. Like, of course, it's going to be terrifying and you have no idea how to hire somebody down there to run your baby. Sure. But um, it, it will work out. So it took a long time to hire somebody to run it. That was hard and scary, interviewing from afar, all those things. Um, but currently we are really fortunate. We hired a retail director after the Dallas store was open, but we felt like, okay, to go into retail, we need a director. She comes from West Elm and she's 
located in Dallas. And so that's awesome. That's been an, a huge blessing. So what's the split like as far as your revenue? Is it still mostly online sales? Has it shifted more to being uh, primarily in person? Like how has that kind of transformed over the last 18 months or so? Yeah, I, it is still mainly online, okay. and um, COVID definitely hasn't helped with that. So sure. uh, it's probably 80-20. We would have loved – we want retail to grow for sure, mm-hmm. um, but online has definitely been a huge blessing that we started there and yeah. that that's um, where the opportunity has been this last year for retailers. Yeah. What um, – now that you've sort of grown to this level and you've <laughs> gone from a few hundred square feet in a basement to having manufacturing and locations in different states altogether – what has been the biggest obstacle in hindsight that you had to overcome in your growth? I think people. I think hiring and leading a team. Um, I feel like that's always a work in progress for sure. Like, But um, we just weren't focused on leading and building a team when we were growing at a million miles an hour for the first couple of years. And so there's just collateral damage that happens when you grow really fast and trying to find the right people and take care of them while also figuring out how to stay in business. I yeah. just, yeah, it's people. I think. Along also being a mom and wanting right. a functioning, wonderful family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So what does this look like forward facing then? Um, you've, you know, we're always kind of learning in real time and you open these stores and, and again, you know, you think you know it, and then you realize that, oh, wow, there's there's some things that we're going to learn from this, uh-huh. you know. Uh, do you think you're going to cont- continue to go into other markets? Are you going to wait for a second until COVID subsides a little bit more? Like, what is kind of the next, call it, 12-month to two-year plan for you all? Yeah, so it's timely, right? We're all thinking about what our next 12 months are going to look like. Yeah. For us, really, um, it's all about becoming more sustainable and steadying our business um, so that we're ready for opportunities that pop up after that. We are still looking in other markets for retail locations that might just be an insane steal because of the times right now. But um, we just have a lot of internal work to do to just make sure everything's running on autopilot and we're being really disciplined. So that's really boring, but really like (laughs) I think what's going to keep us lasting and staying I think Dang the reality on. is that a lot of what we do is really boring uh-huh. and we just don't talk about it as often. And that's that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody thinks that our jobs are just really exciting and fun. Yeah. You just drink They're whiskey all, all day, right? That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> and when I travel, I yeah. just go to bars. It's all grand <laughs> openings awesome. and, and drinking whiskey, yeah, right? That's yeah. great. That's great. <laughs> your last question. So, yeah. You know, so being an experienced person, it may be a little bit cheesy, but uh, this is not business related at all. What is the coolest thing that you have ever done? And you can't say like being a mom, that none of the cop-out answers. I'm uh-huh. talking about like an experience that you signed up for, paid for, something oh. that you've that you've done intentionally. Um, so I'm not somebody I despite being someone that like talks about stepping out of your comfort zone all the time, stepping out of my comfort zone is really weak sauce. So like it's my husband's gone skydiving, that's not me. I I hated the uh like most roller coasters. So, um, but we went to Italy once, um, a long time ago and traveling was possible. And, uh, we, we signed <laughs> up and we took a two, we toured a Parmesan cheese factory and, oh, in Parma. And, um, it was just this tiny little farm with this, like one farmer who makes all this cheese. And it was so interesting. So I, see, I didn't even know that Parmesan cheese was from a city. Called oh, it's Parma. from Parma. We've learned mm-hmm. something. New all today. they do. <laughs> Kylie, thank you so much for sharing time with us today. I know that you're stretched in a million different ways. It's so, so cool to hear your growth story and, and thanks for being a part of Let Me Be Brief. Yeah. Thanks you guys. It's great.